0: got to tell you that I'm, I'm not very good at being in the sound booth anymore. I'm not very good at being in the sound booth for this reason. It's because when I'm in the sound booth I get a little bit too blessed. I get blessed and I get excited and I can't, I can't keep up with the slides anymore. I mean, so I give credit to Ethan and Don and back in the sound booth. I don't know what they do when they get blessed inside and how they can stay focused. Because I was back there getting blessed at the back of the sanctuary, knowing what I'm about to give as God's word this morning. I know what I'm about to give and we're singing, I was blind but now I see my chains are gone and now I'm free. And so... I know what the message is this morning. I'm already feeling blessed, so good luck to you today. That's all I got to give you, is good luck to you. So good morning, I'm Pastor Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I normally am hanging out with the youth of the church, if you're ever looking for me. I'm thankful to have the opportunity to bring you the word of the Lord this morning. Pastor Derek and his family are spending much-needed time together vacationing. And I've heard that they are reconnecting well with themselves and nature and getting much nourishment from rest. So, praise be to God for that. I want to go backwards in part of what we're reading. So, Pastor Mary read for us this morning out of Philippians, which is Paul's writing. Um, but I need to give some context to what Paul's saying and where Paul came from. In the idea that Paul was not always the man that wrote 28% of the New Testament. Uh... I mean he didn't write 28 they chose as they were canonizing the New Testament to put so much of his writings in there but he wasn't always that man and so that's what I want to get into today I want to actually start by turning to Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 17 now well it will be on the screen verse by verse We'll be using the new international version today. I do want to encourage you that if you've got your Bibles or your phone or anything like that, to flip in there. You never know what you're going to come across, that you're going to want to highlight and just be able to go back over yourself later. Um, There's also on the back of your bulletin an entire area for sermon notes. Pastor Derek used to do this thing. I'm stalling so that you can flip in your Bibles if you were wondering. Pastor Derek used to do this thing. He used to text me after the sermon. Mike, what would you get out of the sermon today? I'd be like oh, there was a sermon today? No, I'm just kidding. This is what I got out of the sermon. And you know what it used to do? It used to reinforce the ideas throughout the week because he wouldn't always text immediately after. He would text sometimes on Wednesday or Thursday after. And then you were scratching. So this one time I wrote it on my hand, right? And preemptively, I just took a picture and sent it to him. That way he would know what I got out of the sermon that week. But right, it reinforces when we go back and we look at our notes It reinforces the ideas and what was going on from the Holy Spirit that day when we had the opportunity to hear the message. So I encourage you to take notes. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul, and now Saul is Paul. They are the same person. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for Letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, just a minute, I got to stop. Did you hear what he said? He was going to take prisoners. He was breathing out murderous threats. This is the same guy that we get so much inspiration from as we read the New Testament now. He was breathing out murderous threats against Christians. When it says the way, that's, they're talking about us. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. There was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, "Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying." In the vision, in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come to him and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Now what's said next is absolutely amazing, but we might say the same thing. Lord, Ananias re- answered, I have heard many reports of this man and all the, harm he, all the harm he has done to the holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. He's arguing. Ananias is arguing with God. You don't do that, do you? I didn't think so. Okay. But the Lord said to Ananias, and I want you to notice some very important punctuation. He says, go! He doesn't say just, oh, go ahead. And He says, no, go, Ananias. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's enter into a time of prayer for just a minute. Lord, thank you so much that you used Saul and turned him into Paul the way that You did, so that we might hear Your Word proclaimed the way it is today. Lord, I think even Paul would agree that we thank You for his suffering. We thank You for what he gave to You. Lord, it might not always feel good, but Lord, we ask that we give it all to You as well. In Your precious name we pray. Amen. From there, Saul goes on to be Paul, and he is the one that expounds and writes the letter back to the churches, which later becomes canonized into 28% of the New Testament. And so it's important to understand where Paul came from in order to understand uh, that he, what he is so passionate about. So the final four just happened. I want you to know that I believe, and Terry's keeping track of it for me, that my team is still in the running. And so I didn't know I had a team until Terry and I figured out that I should have a team for the Final Four. And so we did that. But the Final Four is still happening, and so many people, they keep track of this basketball game, right? And so we had March Madness, and now, by the way, we're into April, so that doesn't really make a lot of sense, But we had March Madness, and now we've got this basketball game, and tomorrow is the finals. And so Nebraska is going to go against uh, UNC, and they're going to fight it out for the top spot. And so this is an important life event in American culture, right? And why do we follow sports? Some people, to them, this is the Super Bowl. By the way, I would much rather watch football, but it's not football season. So this is the Super Bowl of basketball. This is the pinnacle. And we all have our little nuances of things we follow. Um, For many people, it's sports. And so why do we watch sports so intently? I think it's because it represents life, right? It represents the challenges that we go through. It represents everything that we have to fight for. And these people are the best of the best. They have competed. They have strived. They have given everything they have to be what they can be. So it represents the fight that we have to give every day in our own life. Some of us fight with different things. We don't fight with other basketball players. We fight with depression, right? Just getting out of bed in the morning is a struggle. Some of us fight at being the best at our job, right? We have everyday activities that we do that we're great at. Or we try to be great at, or we fight to keep our jobs so we can pay the bills for tomorrow. Some of us fight to make sure our kids and grandkids have the life that is bully-free, right? We fight for those things that we really care about. Sometimes we're fighting for our kids and our grandkids just to have the most straight path as possible. Some are fighting alcoholism and addictions and all kinds of other things. Above all, we can understand that the fight the basketball players are going through in order to be the best at what they've chosen to do. In our text this morning that Pastor Mary read for us, we get a chance to see how Paul, a very driven individual, is running his race for the Lord. That was his starting block, again, for a completely different race than he had been running in his previous lifetime. As a matter uh, matter of fact, he shows us how successful he is in his life by making this statement in verse 4, and it'll be up on the screen. It says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if somebody else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul's a little conceited. He knows, but he knows that he basically has taken the championship of the final four when it comes to religion. He knows that he was at the pinnacle of his success, his career as a Pharisee. He was the best of the best. He followed every single law. He didn't back down from everybody. And he did everything for what he thought was his righteous cause of the time. A bold statement from somebody that oftentimes we now consider so humble. Humble. This actually does not sound like Paul at all in some instances from what we know about him now. He basically just said, whatever you think you've accomplished is nothing in comparison to what I have done in the name of God. Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 go on to say this as he's proving his point. He says, he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Basically, he is a thoroughbred in this race. In regards to the law, he's a Pharisee. He does not break the law, the law of God. As for zeal, persecuting the church, he was willing to do anything. As for righteousness, based on the law, he was faultless. You see, Paul, formerly named Saul, has always been a driven person. And if he does something, he does it to his fullest. You might say that he's a bit of a career-driven perfectionist. Even when he was persecuting the new church that was forming after Jesus Christ, it was because he was trying to be perfect under the law. You think that if you stop reading right there that Paul is boasting about how great he is and how little the rest of us have done. But that's not what he's doing at all. We would have missed the point if that's what we thought as we jump into verse 7, I want you to hear very carefully what he's really saying. He says in Philippians chapter 3 starting in verse 7, but wherever but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that we just said is now a loss to him. He isn't boasting at all. He says that is all good. That's what built up his character for so long. He says that's nothing absolutely nothing in comparison to what he considers now what is more i consider everything i lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but what is through faith in christ he knows that he can't earn his way in anymore he knows that what he does isn't what makes him who he is it's who he has that makes him what he is the righteousness that comes from god on the basis of faith in verse 10 i want to know christ yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings paul is a willing participant of suffering if that's what it takes to get the word of god out there a willing participate, participant of suffering. Becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He says whatever he gains, he now considers lost. We hold, what do we hold on today that makes us feel accomplished? And I brought up a whiteboard today because I thought that we might just want to see it. And so I want to know and I won't make you shout from out there. I wrote down some stuff. If all of a sudden you feel the need, feel free to shout and I will say, yep, there was a shout. I knew there would be one. But what is it, what do we have that makes us feel accomplished? And I'll start with job, right? Some of us have our job that makes us feel accomplished. Some of us have maybe our status in the community. Please, if I misspell something, just keep it to yourselves. It's not my strong suit. Status in community. Oh, there's, I think, two M's. What about money? Is that what makes us feel accomplished? Is that money? What about our status in church? What about our status right here as showing up to church every day? Is that what makes us every day? Man, doors are open, you're here. What about showing up to church once a week, twice a week, three times a week, leading a Sunday school, preaching on Sunday morning? Is that what makes us feel accomplished? Is that what we hold our value in? I have to tell you that these, these are nothing. These are nothing in comparison. This is what Paul is saying right here, that all of this is nothing in comparison to knowing and doing the work that Christ has called you to. I want to tell you a story this morning, a story of an Olympian. At the olympic games in paris in 1924 the sport of canoe racing was added to the list of international competitions the favorite team of the four-man canoe race was the united states team one member of that team was a young man by the name of bill havens as the time for the olympics neared it became clear that bill's wife would give birth to her first child about the time that bill would be competing in the paris games in 1924 There were no jet airliners from Paris to the United States, only slow-moving, ocean-going ships. And so Bill found himself in a dilemma. Should he go to Paris and risk not being at his wife's side when their first child was born, or should he withdraw from the team and remain behind? Bill's wife insisted that he go to Paris. After all, he had been working towards this for years. Folks, this is the Olympic Games. It was the culmination of a lifelong dream. Clearly, the decision was not easy for Bill to make. Finally, after much soul-searching, Bill decided to withdraw from the competition and remain behind with his wife so that he could be with her when their first child arrived. Bill considered being at her side a higher priority than going to Paris to fulfill his lifelong dream. To make a long story short, the United States four-man canoe team won the gold medal at the Paris Olympics. And Bill's wife was late in giving birth to her first child. She was so late that Bill could have completed the event and returned home in time to be with her when she gave birth. People said, what a shame. But Bill said he had no regrets. After all, his commitment to his wife was more important then, and it still was now, Bill Havens paid a high price to fulfill a commitment to the one he loved. Are we as committed to Christ as Bill was to his wife? What does this mean in our relationship with Christ? You know what? I would say that this is absolutely nothing in comparison to what Christ can be in our life. If we put this at the center, we've got what we need. We've got what we've searched for. He'll give us the rest of what we need. We don't have to make it up on our own. Christ is what we need. But what does it look like to have that type of commitment in all we do? Being an honest man, I have to tell you that sometimes I don't know that I could have always answered the question of who I am devoted to more. Whether I'm devoted to myself more or whether I'm devoted to God more. What does it look like in my actions? How hard did I fight for what God wanted me to do? How hard did I fight for what Christ wanted me to do? Or how hard did I fight for what I thought I wanted to do? How hard did I fight to get the job that I wanted, to have the marriage that I wanted, to get everything? I put those priorities first. You know what? If I would have put Christ first, I would have got the job that He wanted me to have, the marriage relationship that He wanted me to have, and all the things that He wanted in place. And I'm okay with that answer now. I want Christ to lead my life. I want to read you two different sections of Matthew this morning that we get to see in the life of Paul. Now, Matthew wrote this before Paul wrote his. But we get to see this. The first one won't be up on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 31-33. through 33, And it says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom of his righteousness and all those things will be given to you as well. Like we read in the beginning, Paul changed his life after the transformation on the road to Damascus. He stopped relying on how well he could do in his religion and started relying on what God could do for him as long as he was being obedient. The second one will be up on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. And it goes like this. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It seems backwards, but it seems inconsistent. It seems consistent with what God is telling us throughout all of Scripture. When we put him first, he helps guide us where we should go. Matthew's saying the same thing in this verse is what Paul was saying in Philippians to the church when he said, in verse 9, he said this, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through a faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Jesus needs to be our first love in everything we do. i got to ask you, to do some soul-searching today and find out if our priorities are right. Are our priorities in the right place? If the worship team would come up, because I really want to sing that portion of Amazing Grace that they did. Well, you don't want to hear me sing. I'll be singing. Um, but if the worship team would come up and let's sing that one portion again, I want to tell you the sequel to that story about Bill Havens. The child that was born to Bill and his wife was a boy. They named him Frank. And 28 years later in 1952, Bill received a cablegram from Frank. It was from Helsinki, Finland where the 1952 Olympics were being held. The cablegram read this. Dad, I won. I'm bringing home the gold medal you lost while awaiting for me to be born. Frank Havens had just won the gold medal for the United States in the canoe racing event, a medal his father had dreamed of winning but never did. There's a sequel to our acts of commitment as well. Our commitments to one another and our commitment to God in these sacrifices we make here in this life, we may miss out on what we think we want, but we shall receive a a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of joy and peace, that will endure forever. Thank you so much for how you continue to use us and you call out to us. Lord, if we're walking down a path that isn't the path that you've chosen for us, Lord, I ask that you interrupt our path. That you get in the middle of where we're going and help us understand where it is that you would have us go. Lord, continue to use us. Lord, if we've been on the path and we've stepped off, help us come back. Lord, move in our lives so that we know your vision for us. Lord, you love each and every one of us. And sometimes it's easy to get distracted. Lord, help us keep those distractions at bay so that we can go forward and do your work. Go forward and do the work which we are called to do. Lord, we have a mission here at Casper First that we believe is from you, and that's to reach Casper to revive, equip, advance, connect, and harvest within this community. Lord, I pray that you would give us the power through your Holy Spirit to do your will in that work. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Go in grace and peace, doing the work of the Lord, in his name we pray. Amen.